time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. All right, it's the Inside the Game Guys, the show. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He is Phil Mullinax here, day two. Uh, as somebody that's already, and I appreciate the uh, the diehards getting in on the Nana's Porch chat box. Uh, yeah, we see you, Lance. <laughs> yeah, Lance says it's a party, so it's it, let's party like it's, uh, I don't want to say 1999. That was a, sort of a disappointing party that night. But anyway, uh <laughs> Lots to talk about today. Uh, it's always a good day when it's the first day of preseason practice. I, I, I waxed nostalgic a little bit yesterday, Phil, uh, about media days. Uh, but, you know, really, I enjoyed this better, you know. And, and uh, under Steve Spurrier, when he was there, he Steve Spurrier didn't care about opening practices. Uh, you can't really do that these days because people, everybody has a camera, right? Right. Um, but, but he would open practice. He, he get to sit out there for the whole practice, of course. Uh, you'd, you'd come out sunburnt, you know, and, and I was all red faced and stuff, but it was always fun uh, to go out and watch the team and kind of get a sense of, you know, athletically where the guys have been and, you know, how much better they look for back of, lack of a better term, uh, physically coming off the summer program. Uh, so it was always one of my favorite days. And then, you know, I'd do that for about a week in the Columbia heat. And uh, <clears throat> by the time like week three of practice got there, I was totally sick of it. <laughs> and, and I think the fans are too. Everybody's fired up uh, for the first uh, couple of weeks of practice. And, you know, they consume all the practice reports. And then all of a sudden you hit that lull at the end of August and you're like, uh, ugh. yeah, let's I, kick I was, this thing off. <laughs> I, I was fortunate last year. I actually I was in South Carolina on vacation. I got to go to a practice or two, uh, the open session. So that was nice. Um, but uh, I also was on vacation at this time last year. And that was a, uh, nice as well you know because i i didn't get as excited so you know all that good stuff first hour of inside the game guys the show brought to you by uh cindy searfoss of colwell baker kane in the upstate of south carolina 864-414-5271 uh give cindy a call uh, a bunch of you out there have moved to greenville lately i say a bunch but you know three to five that's a bunch of houses right uh and, and they've used cindy's services and i've gotten tremendous feedback from her uh, married to a diehard Gamecock fan, 35 years, uh, Cindy Searfoss. She's got our number one as our sponsor. We have Hale McGranahan from TheBigSpur.com uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour uh, around 1130. And we're going to dive into recruiting. Uh, good stuff this afternoon, hopefully for the Gamecocks. Big Tree, Ola Watson. Is that how you Ola, Ola, uh, Big Tree. Uh, Babalati. Uh, I can say the last name now. Babalati. Babalati. Uh, Babalati you know, it's uh, it's uh, it, it's going to be a, an interesting announcement, I'm sure. I think there's a video that's been produced, uh, but I feel really good about South Carolina's chances. And, and we'll talk to Hale about this offensive line class. You know, Hale reported, um, gosh, back at the beginning of the recruiting cycle for 2023. Uh, that's this current class that we're in going to be a lineman heavy class that's both sides of the ball uh and so i think that uh you know i think that that's uh 
something that's kind of coming to fruition right now. Uh, oh, yeah. Carol- when you look at what we're losing too, JC, that's exactly where we need the uh, support. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, you know, you kind of look at there's so many old offensive linemen you know, on the team, guys that have been around since we were in school. <laughs> uh, I, I joke, but, you know, I mean, look, J- Jovan Gwynn's been there a while. Eric Douglas has been there a while. Dylan Wanham's been there a while. I mean, Vershawn Lee and Tyshawn Wanamaker are still kind of considered, quote, unquote, younger players, but they're going into their third seasons. Uh, it just kind of shows you time flies. And, you know, the, the COVID thing, uh, while – you know, it was extremely negative for all of society, right? Uh, and and certainly that season didn't turn out how Will Muschamp wanted it to turn out. No, no. <laughs> got fired, right? Uh, in almost roster wise with Carolina, that and the transfer portal uh, has Beamer, I think, ahead as far as building a roster goes. Because a lot of times, you know, and, and there was some attrition, there was some transition during the coaching change, Phil, but. By and large, most folks stuck with it. I mean, Jamie Robinson left, and he's doing well at Florida State. Uh, Kier Thomas played his last year at FSU. Um, you know, you, you have some guys that went pro, obviously, with Izzy and J.C. Horn and Ernest Jones. And I mean, it's hard to argue because uh, those guys are doing really well. Uh, of course, I hope Horn, you know, help, plays a very healthy season for the Panthers this year. Uh, but but by and large, you know, linemen, linebackers, uh they all kind of stuck, uh, and they're all old, older guys, and they're grown men, right? right. Uh, and, and any coach will tell you, uh, I, it doesn't matter what how talented they are, it's a lot easier to go play with grown men than it is to play with freshmen. Uh, and, and so I think that uh, all this, the extra COVID year, the transfer portals, all played into Beamer being ahead. Because if you think if you didn't have the portal uh, and you didn't have the extra COVID year, a lot of these older guys would be gone. You wouldn't have guys, you know, the 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 influx of guys like uh, Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells and Corey Rucker and Austin Stogner. Those are all really good players. Christian Bill Smith, uh, Terrell Dawkins, uh, Jordan Strong from last year, Marion Brown from last year, David Spalding from last year. You wouldn't have that. Uh, and to me, that would feel that would make this roster, I think, uh, a little bit scary uh, heading into this season. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It uh, you know, it'll be a, a more bare cupboard situation like Muschamp inherited, as opposed to what you know we've actually been able to hold and build at this point. Yeah, and I, and I think he's ahead. And the beautiful thing about it is, it's like you know the twenty twenty two class, the the freshmen this year. There's some guys uh, like Nick Emanwore who who may end up be on the field this year, and uh, Landon Sampson and some guys like that. But you can bring these guys along cl- slowly, right? Uh, because of the portal guys. You know, you're not counting on Landon Sampson to go out and catch 50 balls in the SEC this year. You know, you're not counting on Keenan Nelson to start at safety. You're not counting on Emory Floyd to start at corner. Uh, You know, you don't need Stone Blanton. By the way, Stone Blanton, you you guys are going to really like him. He's a a beast, you know. Uh, Have you seen the pictures, Phil, online of him working out? I tell you what, he, he's he's looking tough. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight him. I mean, I'd get my ass whipped. You know, I think everybody. Right. That, that, I mean, and, I, and I say that not that I'm looking to fight anybody, obviously, but uh, some people would be. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like you, you, some people you look at and you go, he would whip somebody's ass. <laughs> you know, oh. and Stone Blanton is that guy. 
Yeah, not uh, the guy you want to meet drunk in an alley after a closing time. <laughs> yeah, not at all, dude. And, uh, you know, and, and they were talking about him playing baseball. He's going to play baseball at Carolina, too. And I'm like, I bet that dude can hit it a mile. I bet. I bet. Uh, I was watching Major League the other day. And remember when before they threw the curveball to Serrano, he was like, he hit it and it went like a dead straight line into the scoreboard. You know, I bet if Stone gets a hold of one, that puppy's going straight into the scoreboard, man. I mean, I'm I, very impressed. But, um, you know, he's a hardworking player, too, and, and I, I, I think he's said. But the point is, you know, you have Sherrod Green, you have Mo Caba, you have Brad Johnson, you have Debo Williams, Bam Martin Scott, uh, Donovan Westmoreland's another freshman linebacker in the world. Really, you don't have to have Stone go in and start for you unless you're absolutely sure he's the best you got and he beats all these other guys out. I think that's a luxury. I think it, it bodes well for this season. I think that's why I'm a bit bullish on this year compared to maybe 2023, uh, you know, the newcomers, uh, Beamer's done a great job bringing in a lot of talent from the portal and uh, freshman-wise, and they continue to recruit well. Uh, but I think the players that were left behind that are now like in their six years, I mean, some of these guys are going to have PhDs by the time they leave school, right. you know. Like, you may call them doctor. doctor. Yeah, that's right. Doctor. Dr. Gwynn. <laughs> doctor, 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 doctor. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's a spies like us reference, right love there. It. Love it. Yeah, I got it. Had to drive. You know that, that, what an underrated movie spies like us is. I, I, I think uh, so. We're going to talk about uh, you know recruiting later with Hale. Uh, you know, as I said, they're practicing right now. Um, my man Phil Cornblut, uh, Sports Talk SC on Twitter. Uh, he's got a lot of video uh, up on his Twitter account. So if you guys want some of that, uh, you know, candid practice video go check phil's uh twitter account out i think uh i retweeted some of it uh from at the big spur pod earlier and obviously we're streaming on at the big spur pod we're streaming on youtube the big spur youtube page also streaming on facebook facebook.com slash inside the gamecocks each and every day uh maybe we go to instagram at some point maybe we don't i have to look more into that (laughs) uh because i don't really phil i don't really watch long form videos on instagram I, I, Neither I, do I. No, I think it's it's more set up to be quick hitting uh, sort of stuff. Like I'll watch like an aardvark uh, feed or a baby turtle going to the water. Or uh, there's this uh, account called Karen Go Home, uh, which is just like Karens from around the world like showing their ass. So I think that's uh, uh, but stuff like that. I mean, so so maybe maybe not on, on Instagram, but we certainly appreciate it. Our numbers for yesterday were tremendous for a first episode. Uh, yes, so thank we, you. Thank you to our audience. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So um going to talk about uh, a lot of things today and, and get to like the topic du jour. But as we always like to do, this is an interactive show. We're going to interact a whole lot. At some point we may have callers. Uh, if I can figure out how to screen it, uh, we'll have callers, but uh, it's, uh, you know, that, that, that's down the road. Maybe do a whiner line where people can just call in and leave messages. I can, I, you know, you know what I'd like to do, Phil. Oh yeah, now that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Ha, have a voicemail, and, and then after the Gamecocks play, and, and let's say unfortunately they lose, and have people call, you know, call in and record Vince. Uh, that may that could get magical. That that <laughs> could that could get magical. Uh, I I think so. Uh, maybe we'll do something like that. All right. So Nana's Porch chat line. If you're on uh, YouTube, I think Facebook too, maybe Twitter, you can get in uh, on the Nana's Porch chat line. I, I, and uh, 
it's also obviously brought to you by Nana's Porch, which makes me hungry. Uh, so we talked about Lance. Um, uh, Daniel, thanks for the live mic thing. We're still feeling our way through this. We'll, we'll figure this out. Uh, John comes in. Uh, John is listening from the beautiful Pacific Northwest. John, I, I saw a picture uh, of Seattle, uh, the fish market. One of uh, my fiance's friends was out there. I think she lives out there as you know, on vacation. She's out in the water looking back towards the fish market. Uh, and it, it was not cloudy. And uh, I know it gets cloudy a lot in Seattle, right? Uh, <laughs> and I've been fortunate in my career. I've gone out there a bunch for work uh, back when I was covering national recruiting. And, and I'll tell you this. Every time I've been to Seattle, for some reason, it's been sunny. Uh, and, and it's the most beautiful place on earth. Uh, it's all green and lush because it rains all. I mean, it, it, uh, hats off to uh, Seattle. So anyway, uh, I wanted to mention that. So we, this is a global show. You can listen wherever. We had an Australia, uh, an email from Australia yesterday. Good night, mate. All right. So John says, good morning, Gamecast. JC, a question I posted yesterday. Oh, I feel bad I missed it, but got lost in the shuffle. How big of an improvement is this year's linebacker room if healthy? Phil? Well, you know, we're it all it'll be it's good. Say, I mean, yeah. you know, it is hard to say, but you you got Sherrod coming back, hopefully, you know, hundred yeah, percent healthy. So. Um, big expectations for Mo Caba for sure. Uh, you know, you just gotta cross your fingers and hope it all gels and comes together. That's it. And I think, too, you, you bring up an interesting point because gelling is important, like at linebacker. Like, it seemed last year after Sherrod Green went out, the, the, the being in sync with the rest of the defense, whether it's a linebacker taking a, a false step and, and then the back goes by him and there's no speed to recover, whether it's uh, the back just flat out making a miss, whether it's the D-line not holding up the blockers, uh, something was out of sync at times, not always, but at times with the linebacking core last year uh, after Green went out. Um, and I'll tell you this, John, you know, I think Brad Johnson, from what I've heard, he had a really good summer. They love him. He's the six-year guy. He's one of those old guys. But I think to keep his job, he's going to have a fight on his hands with Mo Kaba. Uh, not only uh, are our contacts at the bigspur.com and elsewhere saying Kaba had a really big summer, is coming into his own. He flashed when he was on the field last year. Uh, you, you heard it from Sterling Lucas, the defensive end coach, the other day. He didn't even coach Muhammad Kaba. They, they asked him which of the which, which guys were standing out. He, he mentioned his guy Gilbert Evan, but also mentioned Kaba with the physicality he plays with, all that. So, look, if Brad Johnson is less than ideal, or maybe a guy you bring in to 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 blitz or rush the passer, which he's really good at. Uh, in certain packages, um, and and your linebackers all of a sudden are green and Kaba, that's a lot of speed uh, on the field compared to last year. That's a lot yeah, of speed. Do you think, JC, is that speed, you know, not just stopping the run, but, uh, you know, linebackers and coverage with the safety situation kind of being a bit of a question mark this year? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that too. I, I thought last year – in coverage, you know, the linebackers made some plays, obviously. Brad Johnson had a late interception at Missouri that got Carolina back in that catastrophe of a football game. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we remember Damani Staley's pick six. Uh, next to Perry Orth's run against Texas A&M in 2015, that's probably the longest big play I've ever seen. Like, And I've told this story before when Orth, uh, you know, 
Spurrier just gotten fired. Elliott won against Vandy. So they got to AM and AM waxed them the year before and kind of was the beginning of the end. Well, GA Mangus is calling the plays in that game. And, he, you know, I talked to him a little bit. And he's going to be a guest on this show at some point, given his insight. Uh, and he's like, hey, you wait. We'll see what we got for him, you know. And then just a masterful game plan on offense. I mean, the Gamecocks went up and down the field. Well, there was a quarterback, uh, a zone read keeper, and Perry keeps it. And I and uh, my girlfriend at the time I was living in Greenville, uh, had dropped me off uh, at a bar. It's it that bar across from uh, Floor Field uh, on the West End. I, I don't remember what it's called. It's real popular though. Uh, so I'm sitting there having a beer, you know, watching the game. And I look, and Orth keeps it around the end. So I sit down and, and I take a sip of my beer. I look back up. He's still running. Uh, I look around, the waitress comes by. I was like, yeah, I'll have another. And I take down another sip of my beer. I take to, I took I looked at my phone and checked a text message, and he's still running. <laughs> All right. So repeat that last year with Damani Staley's pick six. Yeah, I had, I had a couple sips of beer there too. Uh, but um it was uh so they made some plays in the passing game uh last year, but I but I also think speed, quickness, recovery, speed instinct, all that goes into playing linebacker. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and judge Brad Johnson's instincts. Uh, I don't think he's the fastest backer in the world, but, I mean, you don't have to run a 4-5 or five to play the position. Uh, you have to move well laterally uh, and all yeah. that. Um, but but I think Muhammad Kaba, it, it's interesting because if there's a guy out there that you look that didn't start last year uh, that could supplant a starter um, – you know, a lot of people were talking about him. So so we'll see what happens there. But I I, I think, John, the key is just to get your best athletes on the field at backer and, and hope that they know what to do. Um, I'll say one more thing about linebacker. You know, you cannot – people are like, well, why did Damani Staley play last year? Because Damani Staley knew his assignments. Um, if you don't know your assignments and you play linebacker in this league and you get out of a gap uh, – the running back is going to be running right by you and name your fight song that the other band's going to be playing. Um, unless you're just like, like Nicobe Dean from Georgia, who was a freak who could erase stuff like that. Um, you have to be able to do it. So that's probably why, you know, Staley started because he didn't take false steps and things like that. So you, you have to look at that uh, when you're talking about linebacker, um, you know, in general, I think, and that people wonder why is this guy playing? You know, well, this, this is why he, he gets in the in the gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so thanks, John, and uh, hope hold down the fort out there in the the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Um, he says summers here are amazing. He's like, we got to keep out the Californians, sort of like the Ohioans, Ohioans uh, at Myrtle Beach, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, uh, I want to say this, Ed chimes in, looking for a good year out of Taka Hemingway. I agree. I, I thought yeah. he had a transition year last year at D-Tackle um, and, and all that. Uh, so here we go back through. Uh, by the way, I'm on the Nana, Nana Sports chat line here. Um, Lance, player, player, player. Uh, to be honest, I'm so happy about our O-line big bodies that have been there and done that and shown at times they can get it done. I'm going to go out on a limb and say these cats are about to bring some pain. Pain. That's right. Let's hey, hope. Hey, I hope so. Because there are times last year I think they were, uh, you know, and, and like I brought up yesterday, three offensive coordinators in three years, you know, I could see why there were some uh, assignment issues early on. Craig comes in 
Uh, he says, JC, have you heard anything about Nick Barrett? He looked like a monster as a freshman. Yeah, not only Nick Barrett, and we, we talked about TJ Sanders a lot in the spring, but these two second-year defensive tackles, uh, Craig, I think uh, have a bright, bright future. Uh, they're built differently. TJ's kind of a 6'5", 315-pound guy, uh, and, and Barrett's a smaller uh, 6'2", 320 kind of dude, a fire plug, if you will. Uh, something impressive about Nick Barrett. He's like a, a like a he's a presidential scholar uh, last oh. year. Uh, the pride of Goldsboro, North Carolina, same place former basketball coach Dave Odom was born. Uh, I thought he was a steal in recruiting. I, I I didn't understand why, you know, North Carolina was kind of iffy on him, considering they ran a three four and uh, under uh, and, and they need a no kind of a true nose tackle type. And Barrett to me was that, but uh, oh well, the game pass got him right. That's all right. <laughs> uh, so that's don't good. build your wall up there, Mac. Don't build your wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's good. Sandy chimes in. Phil, does this make you Mike to JC's Don? Yeah, that's funny. Hmm. That's a that's a reference to an old uh, morning zoo show, Don and Mike. Uh, to play in Washington, D.C. when we lived up there in Northern Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Bone points out, Chris Bone, and Bone, we got a uh, uh, mailbag, I help consulting mailbag question from you too. He said the ECU game, the rushing touchdown was an awful play by the linebackers. Can't remember what time of the game, but definitely the first half. It, it was, and it, it, you know, the ECU game to me was one of the better games by the defense as a whole. I thought the Carolina dominated the second half of that game on defense, Phil, don't you, don't you think? Well, I mean, it's the only way that we had to, we had to climb back from a 14, nothing deficit in that game. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was bad, but uh, I, you know, uh, you, you made a good point there, Chris, you know, that's why it's important not to get out of position uh, at linebacker. Now the Gamecocks had Sherrod green in that game, uh, but, uh, and, and I think they tightened it up uh, as the game went on uh, and all that. So that's the, uh, I'll have one more here. Uh, from Brian Beatty, uh, and he's got a receiver's question. Uh, and I'll get your take on this too, Phil. Uh, who has a bigger year, Josh Van, Juice Wells, or Corey Rucker? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shake him up in a box and pull one out. Uh, you know, on paper, right? So that's exactly what the wide receiver room looks like this year, which is, you yeah. know, stark difference from what we were dealing with last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say. It, it really depends on situation. I think it, it kind of goes back to something that I was thinking earlier is that, you know, who's going to be the standout? Well, I mean, if you've got three great guys you're throwing to and you're going to try to keep every one of them happy with opportunity and things like that, it, it's a tough call. I mean, it, you know, I like Juice. Uh, he's, he's, you know, a great player. Corey, of course, we all know is a known quantity, uh, just not necessarily maybe at this level, but, you know, from what I've been seeing and some mm. of the stuff, uh, some of the video out of camp looks like he's ready to go. Uh, and we all know Josh. I mean, you know, he's he's finally found himself. And if he continues to grow into the player that we know he can be, then hey, we're, we're going to be in a good spot. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Van, 43 receptions last year, uh, even though he had zero against Clemson in North Carolina, I mean, he, uh, had he had he not had the hamstring at the end of last year, he could have had 50, 50 catches. Um, you know, I think Josh could have probably been drafted late last season. 
uh, depending mm-hmm. on what he ran at the combine and all that, but he's back for more. Um, you know, sneaky suspicion is, is that they all kind of are, are right there together. Uh, yeah. cause they do, they do different things. I, I think if you're asking me about yards per catch, I'd probably go, uh, van and juice. Uh, if you're asking me about total receptions, uh, I'd probably go van and Rucker. Uh, if you're talking about all purpose yards, I'd definitely probably go juice. Um, yeah. you know, and, 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 I, and I think that the hope is, is that this is a luxury, you know, and, and I may stand corrected because, you know, uh, if this were in the spring, I'd have probably said juice out of all three, but Rucker and Van have had a big off season. And, and those guys, you know, that they're not as probably explosive over the top as juice is. Uh, they, uh, run good routes though. They have good hands. They, uh, and, oh, yeah. and they can catch and van, you know, we, we tend to give up on guys around here sometimes. And, uh, van uh, definitely proved last season. He's not a player you should give up on. Uh, when he was a high school recruits outside, you know, a lot of people thought he was one of the top slot receivers in the country. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that's a great question, Brian. And, uh, uh, I'll probably be wrong, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see sort of uh, what happens. Player comes in and goes, uh, he's going to be, he's going to go with Rucker. Um, you know, so I, yeah, Corey Rucker is going to be a fan favorite around here. Uh, pr- the pride of Yazoo City, Mississippi. Yazoo City, that's yeah, right. <laughs> Yazoo City. All right, so. That flew by pretty quick, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, Hale McGranahan coming up soon. Uh, I think we're going to pay some bills. It'll be a longer commercial break today because we actually have more commercials, right? Uh, yes, sir. As uh, the first hour of Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented by Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker, Kane, 864-414-5271. Upstate real estate needs. Get with Cindy. Uh, and we'll be back after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. 
check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker King. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Well, hell yeah, we're back. Hell yeah. Hell, what's up, man? Hey. Uh, by the what? way, that's that's Hale McGranahan from the bigspur.com live uh, in front of the practice facility. Look at this. We, nice. we have li- li- live footage. There's the indoor. Uh, does that get you folks fired up to see that that indoor? I'm going to put my window all the way down for y'all. There it is. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Looks right. like, not, like a swell. <laughs> Looks like a, like a like a pretty uh, uh, mild, cool day in Columbia. Uh, hell, isn't it? It is not that at all, JC. That couldn't be further from accuracy. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm not a weatherman, man. Uh, all right, Hale, appreciate you joining us. This is Hale McGranahan from the Big Spur. You guys, uh, you guys know him uh, really well. And I guess first things first, Hale. You know, this is. Uh, First of all, the, the start of practice, and we're going to ask you some of your impressions here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's the day that uh, the big tree uh, decides. And uh, I yeah. can't – I've, I've got his last name, Babalade, and I butcher his first name. But, um, you know, kind of break that down for us. Tell us what you think. 
uh, take us kind of through his recruitment until now. Uh, obviously, he's been uh, a big discussion on the bigspur.com. Big tree, big discussion, right? Um, so yeah. to, just kind of give us some insight on, on, on this guy. Yeah, 2 o'clock is his announcement time. South Carolina has been been right there in the mix really since, I guess, March is when they offered, and and uh, they, they were able to get him to come down for his first unofficial visit for the spring game. Uh, then he was back in June for an official visit and, and of course, was back again uh, this past Friday for that that cookout, the summer-ending cookout, which was, was quite a development, uh, as, as anyone who's been following along knows that uh, it, it went from last Thursday, him canceling the, the upcoming Sunday announcement because he was originally scheduled to announce this past Sunday and people worrying about that. And then uh, as it turned out, he was, he was on the way down to, to Columbia Friday afternoon and w- was quite a change in development and certainly got the folks uh, over here that, that work in this building across, across the parking lot from me there. They were really fired up to have him down and, and put him on that guest list, which which was pretty pretty special. Uh, if we're going to try to throw around descriptions for for what that group was uh, that they had on campus last Friday, and and uh, now here we are, he's, he's going to announce his decision in a couple hours. And crystal balls are in for the Gamecocks, and and uh, I, I think that uh, we, we can trust those, as as, uh, as the man once said, trust the crystal ball. Trust the crystal ball. Yeah, I, uh, it was kind of a wild roller coaster uh, last weekend because uh, I think a lot of people were like, you know, there were four announcements scheduled. Only two of them took place. Uh, Gamecocks did go two for two and got the in-state guys. Uh, and then you've got Big Tree going today, Babalade going today. I, I, I'm not a big nickname guy, but uh, I'll, give the, I'll give the nickname before I butcher the real name. Uh, and then we, you know, we don't know much about Carmelo Taylor. I'm going to ask you about him here in a second. But uh, Hale, you wrote a piece back at the beginning of recruiting that was insightful and prophetic, uh, kind of oh. at the same time uh, about this class, 2023 class at South Carolina being very heavy on linemen. Um, you know, let's assume Babalade does come in today. You had Marquis Anderson and Montague Rames last week. Uh, there's still some guys on the board, especially on defense. Tell us kind of your impressions of how things have unfolded uh, on both lines of scrimmage. It's worked out pretty well. Um, when when you add Marquis Anderson into the fold and, and Montague Rames into the fold, that that's two out of your top top in-state guys, regardless of position, and they just so happen to play along the line of scrimmage. Uh, Anderson, obviously, in offense. Rames, defensive end. Xavier McLeod's still out there. Got got to try to close things down with him. But uh, my my point in, in starting with those two in particular is is that that's that's key to this class is being able to to get those those in state guys that that uh, that are serious about you and, and you were serious about. I mean, there's there's another one out there uh, who, who's you know not really shown any interest in South Carolina and Monroe Freeling and and staff never really had a shot there quite frankly, but the guys that they had a shot with, uh, they've gotten two out of the first three and or two out of, of the three and, and another one's got a decision coming up. So uh, I, I like where they're at, it, not only because they have those guys, but they've, they've got some pretty impressive players at, at other spots too. linebacker with Grayson Howard. Uh, I love Jalen Kilgore as a player and, and what he brings off the field. He's, 
he's very underrated uh, out Ooh. there, not only by 24-7, but some other folks as well. Um, and th they've got some intriguing guys uh, at, at receiver and a C.J. Adams who who's a converted quarterback, and, and he put up some really good numbers last year, first year playing the position, and is kind of that big physical presence that uh, – that, that you need to have in that position group. And, and he blends with uh, a guy like Kelton Henderson, who's a, a, a speedy little wiggle guy from Florida. And, and, you know, they've got a state champion sprinter at running back from Georgia. I mean, it's, it's, it's an impressive group so far. Uh, and, and one that, uh, that, that is building for, for the future to say the least. And, and, and that's going back to what you were mentioning, JC. And, and when you started this question is, is, the line of scrimmage, man. That they needed to address it, and they're not done. But, but they've done <laughs> so far, and and getting there. Uh, Phil, I think uh, down at the bottom of the Nana's porch chat line, uh, Brian has something for Hale here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, something I was going to ask you about too, Hale, is uh, what's your take on Harbor? I mean, I, I know we're showing warm on the on the twenty four seven site here for us, but uh, how realistic are we talking here, man? I think it's pretty realistic. You know, he, he came came down last summer uh, in June in 2021, and he had some some very good things to say about Shane Beamer coming out of that. And uh, you know, as as the months go by, went by, and and he still hadn't visited again. You're like, okay, well, you know, things things can go well on a visit, but if he doesn't come back, like it's it's really hard to 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 think, and it, it could be. A realistic shot um but you know what he, he came back and not only did he come back for another visit it was an unofficial visit he still got that official visit in his back pocket so to me if, if a guy who, who's saying all those nice things about your program coming back for another unofficial visit he's got his parents with him i, I don't think they're with him the first time i think he was um like with a high school coach and a couple teammates or whatever but he brings his parents back down for another unofficial uh Still got the official out there. I, I I really think they're gonna have a chance to uh to bring him back from one of those and uh then we'll see what happens. But as it stands right now, they're they're firmly in the mix and certainly some some big time competition out there, but um, South Carolina has made an impression and, and and again they're 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 in this thing, man. Uh Hale, where do you like him at? Uh I I thought I thought in defensive end, you know, edge, I guess is what we, we call it now. Uh, but the more I talk to people and the more I kind of look at him, I don't know that he's not a tight end and or, or a, a guy you just use in the passing game, sort of like, yeah, you know, a, a bell or whoever. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I, I know people are like, well, you know, it, defensive end is probably a more higher value position, but. You know, shoot, you get a tight end that runs like that, man. It's that big. If he can catch a lick at all or run routes at all, uh, those are called touchdowns, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, I, I don't know. I go back and forth and, and wanted to see what you had to say. Yeah, I, I kind of lean in your direction, JC. Uh, the biggest thing is, and this is just a general thought. It's not necessarily reflective of, of Harbor or, or anything specific to him. But if a guy's – talks about like I'd, I'd rather play offense over defense mm -hmm. and, and I think that he kind of has said that in the past I tend to lean towards just leaving that guy on offense and and if he's serious about being interested in, in doing some you know 
obvious pass rushing situations, third down, you know, those types of things. That's cool. But, but yeah, I, I tend to think if, if a guy is pretty strong in his conviction on wanting to play offense over defense and just go ahead and keep on, keep him on offense. I, I think that's just a general rule of thumb for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Jarrell Adams was that way. Uh, of course, yeah. he, he ended up getting drafted as a tight end, but when he came in, the, the staff, you know, was intrigued by his build at DN. Uh, but uh, the D line coach at the time said, "Ah, no, he just doesn't have. He has more of an offensive mentality." And you know, certainly, um, you know, Carolina probably could have used him had he been a DN those years because they had Busta Anderson. I mean, I, so I don't know. Uh, but Jarrell, you know, got drafted. Kids from Scott's branch, you know, live the dream. Um, and, but I tend to agree with you too. You, that, that mentality, and that's something that uh, I think we, some of us in recruiting and fans and, and people like that, we get caught up in the measurables and the speed and the the build, and we're like, "Wow, he, he's he's going to be clowny or somebody like that." But mm-hmm. you have to have a clowny mentality. You have to have you know a defensive mentality to get things done. Uh, and offensively, uh, it's just, you know, th- there's not many guys that run like that that are that size. So, like I said, he, he's going to play touchdown. That's what, that's what he's going to play if he plays <laughs> offense, if he can do anything. Touchdown. Um, so, kind of staying in that general area, Hale, uh, Desmond Omiyazulu. Uh, <laughs> lots of discussion behind the scenes about this guy uh, this week. Uh, I know what I'm hearing is I, I feel better than I ever have about Carolina's chances, but, uh, you know, you never know how these things are going to go. What, what, what's your, your take on, on Desmond? And by the way, Desmond, for those of you that don't know, is a six, six, 240 pound, actually a defensive end. Yeah, he's, he's a specimen. Um, and, and if you could somehow pair him with, with Rames, that'd be quite a, quite a group there. Nice little twosome, but yeah, much like you, JC, it, it, it sounds like South Carolina is almost sort of trending right now. I don't know if I could could really label it that way per se, but it it sure seems like uh, like they're really <laughs> really in this thing, man. And and when you're competing against Ohio State, it's it's going to be tough re- regardless of what position or where the guy's from. Um, but but especially up there in that DC area where they they've done pretty well here lately. I mean, they do well everywhere, so I guess I shouldn't. Just try to uh, label that uh, as, as something in their favor. But uh, another guy who who came down here for an unofficial visit and came down again for an official. Um, and, and you know, before that unofficial visit, I I saw him at a, at a camp in Baltimore, the same camp uh, where I first saw Big Tree, the Under Armour camp in Baltimore, and and Yumizolu, however you say his last name, I, I probably butchered it, but. But Big, Big Desmond was uh, not really feeling South Carolina. But all of a sudden he shows up uh, for, for an unofficial visit a little later in the spring, and uh, they, they made an impression and, and, again, got him back down. So I, uh, I don't think he's been back since unless something went under the radar, which I suppose is possible. There were some, some sneaky moves uh, last week by <laughs> that staff and here, here in Columbia and what they were able to, uh, to, to make happen last weekend. But uh, – but yeah, man, I, I think it's a credit to Sterling Lucas and, and his uh, desire to just go out and recruit and, and make guys tell him no. Like, you know, in, in the past around here, it was it's pretty easy for that position coach to to just move on from a guy if he didn't really think he had a chance. And 
you know, Sterling Lucas has shown shown some gumption, man. That guy's pounded the pavement, and and he he brought in some pretty impressive prospects this spring, and and this guy in particular who we're talking about is is in that group, and you know, just so has just so has it. Uh, if you convince a guy to come visit, he he might actually like what he sees and and want to come back. So. Uh, I think that's a pretty sound uh, recruiting strategy. If you're Sterling Lucas or Ontario Hardesty, whoever the case may be, if, if you can just convince these guys to come visit, you know, you're giving yourself at least a fighting chance. And and uh, that's kind of sums up uh, in a nutshell where, where they're at with this guy. Carmelo Taylor, uh, you know, behind the scenes, uh, I, I hear Carolina still feels good. Uh, I also hear that, you know, you, you get sometimes when you talk to people about recruits, you're like, who knows with that guy? <laughs> and I'm getting a few, I'm getting a few who knows with that guy. I, you know, hell, I'm, I'm probably higher on Carmelo Taylor personally than a lot of people, but I, I just think the kid, he's got things that, uh, you know, you're not necessarily going to coach or develop. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of thought, man, that's tough that he didn't didn't pull the trigger. I know Virginia Tech had him on campus. That's right there. He's from Roanoke, Virginia, which is you know right down the road from Blacksburg. But you know, I I, I never thought Virginia Tech led though. I mean, I, I they were kind of behind Carolina and Penn State and and all that. What's your take on him? Uh, you know, if you're like me, I know I'm a little confused, but uh, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah. The- He's an interesting case, that's for sure. Um, I think you just continue to recruit him and, and try to get him back down for a game because I, I don't think he's going to be making a decision anytime soon. That The the kind of word that I was hearing is that uh, someone close to him encouraged him to kind of slow down in his decision and, and not rush into anything. And and frankly, like that's probably not a, a bad thing for him to do. Because his his recruitment didn't really get going until like the middle of May, so he went from being a guy we we certainly weren't talking about at all uh, a couple months ago to well people are freaking out because he hadn't made his decision yet, and I was like, well this this guy just kind of came onto the scene here very recently, and you know what it it, it might be in in his best personal interest just him being Carmelo Taylor to to take his time because. You know, sometimes when guys rush into decisions, maybe uh, feelings can change or, or what have you. But, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I, I think it's it's probably best for him and just kind of hearing a little bit about him and, and his background. Like maybe maybe he should take some time and, and think this thing through and and uh, be, be really sure about it because as we've seen with somebody else in this class, Cam Upshaw, um, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes guys rush into doing something that – that they're they're not all that sure about, and they still do it anyway. Then they kind of change their mind, and maybe they change their mind again, and probably change again a couple more times. So I, I think for Carmelo Taylor again, just the individual, it's it's probably the best thing for him to just kind of chill a little a little bit and and make sure he he knows what he wants to do. And and I'm sure if Justin Step heard me say that, he'd be like, dude, shut the hell up, like, <laughs> stop talking. But uh, <laughs> just keep recruiting him in and, and get him back down in the fall. And and uh, maybe maybe if he, he's watching a game at Williams-Brice, that, that'll make him know for sure that, that this is what he wants to do. 
Talking with Hale McGranahan from TheBigSpur.com here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show uh, on the guest line. And I forgot to say the guest line is brought to you by Meredith Taylor Golf. Uh, you heard the ad. She's a former Gamecock golfer. Uh, Going to be back in the Midlands uh, fixing your golf game. And uh, it makes me want to move back to South Carolina permanently even more because I need help with my golf game. I completely suck. Uh, I don't even have any clubs anymore. But definitely – if I got back, I'd, I'd give her a call, uh, mckellarenterprises.org, sponsor of the guest line. Um, so you're out of practice today. Uh, I'm sure everybody wants to know, how did Spencer Rattler look throwing the ball around? Uh, anything else that caught your eye? Uh, it's hard to tell how he's throwing the ball around when he's half a field away and and they're just throwing on air. and yeah. <laughs> On air, people who aren't familiar with that phrase is – it's just a QB throwing to a receiver. There's nobody covering them. There's no pressure. There's there's no nothing. Just pitching and catching. Uh, but he looked good, man. He you know he threw the ball to Jaheim Bell a good bit. Bell moved around to receiver and tight end and and jumped in the front of of each line he was in and and looks looks like Jaheim Bell. Hey, he jumped in front of some passes intended for other people last year too, man. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I got. Well, hey, when when you need when you need your touches and you're not getting them, you gotta you gotta go about uh, finding them. Yeah, way you can. I I never had a problem with it at all. I was like, that he wants the football. Feed that guy, man. Give it to him. Yeah, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Feed but, him. Uh, but no, it was you know kind of a typical first practice, and I say typical first practice in that. You know, we the media get to go out there and watch them stretch and do some special teams drills and uh, some ball security drills. And I, I was a little surprised we got to see some throwing and catching, but we did see some throwing and catching. And um, you know, it, it's not a whole lot to glean glean from from the half hour we were out there. That's that's for sure. Sure. Hey, so who dropped the pass in practice so everybody on the message board can panic about it? Anybody drop a pass? There was one. one, I don't know if it was a bad throw or or not. I'm trying to – it was one of the tight ends. Uh, Maybe it was Nate Atkins. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people probably picking on his dad here uh, a little too much. Well, maybe not lately with with what they've done recruiting-wise, but, you know, I don't want Nate Atkins to catch any strays just because his last name's Atkins and his dad's the offensive line coach. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, uh, okay, so um, I'm looking here. The offensive line, uh, give me your take. Um, and we're wrapping up here with Hale McGranahan on Inside the Game Cost of Show. Tyshawn Wanamaker versus Dylan Wanham at right tackle. That That's that's awfully interesting to me, Hale, in terms of what the outcome will be there. And is there any chance we'd see both of them in the lineup? At the same time? Yeah. Maybe somebody slides down the center and I don't know. I mean, I'm just, uh, that, that would be the position I would kind of, uh, cause I wouldn't take Lee off the field or Gwen off the field or Nichols off the field. Um, yeah. But uh, I know that center position too, in this offense, you have to, you have to know everything and sort of direct traffic. So I, you mm-hmm. know, what, what's kind of your take on how the line will, We'll shake out because I think you got like six or seven guys that could be starters this year, which is a luxury. Uh, but but I just don't know quite know how Greg Atkins optimizes all of that. Yeah, I, I would think that that Wanham's going to have to come back and, and win that job away from Wanamaker. Um, 
I, I don't necessarily think Wanamaker is going to give it up all that easily, even though maybe maybe tackle isn't isn't where he he probably projects the best long term. But um, I, I think it, it is interesting that it is genuinely a battle and not just like, oh, Dylan Wanham's back. He's he started, you know, 30 whatever games playing that spot. Let's just move him back in there. Um you know, they talk a lot about competition around here. That's that's a talking point uh, that we hear about a lot from Shane Beamer, and, and I think that's a good way to sort of foster that is, is to have a, a a battle like that at a very important position and right tackle. So sure. we'll see. I mean, regardless of how it shakes out with that that spot, whether it is Wanamaker or Wanam, like there, there are going to be guys who, who need to, to come in and play at other spots along the offensive line and, it could totally shake things up, whether it's, you know, Javon Gwynn going down, then Wanamaker slides over to play guard, and then Wanam gets on the field, and that's how they roll. Like, there, there's just no talent. And um, Atkins does like to cross-train his guys and, and have them be flexible, and, and they can play multiple spots. So um, I guess my take on it, JC, is, is that regardless of how it looks today, next week, um, September 3rd, whatever day that is, Georgia State comes in. Uh, It's probably going to change in some way, shape, or form uh, before the season is over and and, it might change a couple different times. That's just the nature of the position, the nature of the game. So uh, I I do think it it is as intriguing as it gets, though, for for offensive line storylines when when you've got a a real veteran guy like Dylan Wanham who's having to to battle for, for his starting job to get it back. All right, uh, wrapping up, last question. Uh, Phil, we're going to pull this from Brian. Brian is a prolific questioner on the Nana Sports chat line today. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, one more for you, Hale, and uh, then we'll get you get out of here and uh, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, good. Uh, and I wanted to touch on this too, Hale. Is like, have you noticed any difference in the way the staff recruits compared to the last regime? Is what Brian asked, like a different strategy or philosophy? It seems like they're doing what Muschamp tried to do in Florida and South Carolina. Uh, what I would add is, we know Beamer is a known quantity in recruiting. And do you think that just having him there is going to, you know, help recruiting like what we're seeing with Lucas or Montario Hardesty? Um, you know, is his is his mentality going to raise all of their mentalities? Uh, as far as strategy, it's it's very similar. Uh, the biggest difference is is this staff emphasizing more of the Northeast. Now, granted, the, the previous staff did try to work up into Virginia uh, as as it got further into that tenure, but but the biggest difference again is is going up into the Northeast. You know, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Up, up in that part of the country where, where Pete Limbo is obviously tied in and, you know, Beamer's obviously a Virginia guy. So he's, he's worked up in that area and around DC a good bit. And again, the, the previous staff tried to make some inroads up there kind of later on while they were here. Um, but I mean, as far as how they structure it, it's, it's very similar in, in the way they break things down from, all right, you're going to have a, a coach who, who recruits, you know, Columbia and, he might be coaching the tight ends, but if there's there's a defensive end at Richland Northeast High School, and they're serious about recruiting them, then then the defensive ends coach is going to kind of take the reins and, and really play a role in recruiting him. And and while the area guy is still involved, it's 
it's more of the position coaches who who, who recruit their their position for the guys they're they're pretty gung ho about. Um, so, and aside aside from you know the Northeast thing, I, I think personalities are is the biggest biggest difference. You know, Shane Beamer and Will Muschamp are are different people, obviously, and and while they do have some of the same you know kind of characteristics and and what they believe in from that recruiting standpoint. Uh, maybe things are a little different when, when they're interacting with people and things like that. So, so, and some of that stuff that, that I'm referring to is probably kind of obvious for, for people who, who are familiar with, with both of those individuals. But, you know, as far as like a nuts and bolts thing, it's, it's very similar. And, and I think some people kind of lose sight of the fact that, that that previous staff, um, they, they signed some really good players and mm-hmm. they got really good players to come visit. Like, you know, people, get fired up about some of these these guest lists that, that we talk about that, that Beamer and these guys are bringing in uh, for, for cookouts and spring games and practices, whatever. Um, you, you know, the, the the previous staff did a lot of the same stuff too. Like let's, let's not lose sight of that. They, they recruited pretty well. Um, maybe some of their shortcomings were in, in the evaluations at, at some positions like a wide receiver, for example. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the actual execution, what they're doing and, and, and all that type of stuff, it's, it's, it's very similar. Um, and, and a lot of it is stuff that you would want to be similar because there's, there's been some success there and, and it's a formula that's kind of tried and true across college football, not just here at South Carolina. All right. Hail man. Appreciate you jumping on. Hopefully this is the first of many interviews on inside the Gamecocks, the show. We, we certainly appreciate you and uh good looking interior on that car. And I, I like the CBS hat, man. That's, uh, that's yeah. Thanks. Cool. Hey, black leather. It, it gets hot in here, but the AC still works. So we're good. Good, man. Good. All right, Hale. Uh, you be good. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, thanks, fellas. Dude. Appreciate it. Thanks, Hale. Mm-hmm. Hale McGranahan from the big com has had the honor. Actually, when we look back on this, Phil, Phil, feel, 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 <laughs> Fail. I hear that coming from downstairs. No. Fail. <laughs> my bones. Where are my bones? Anyway, uh, again, the guest line is uh, brought to you by Meredith Taylor Golf. You'll, you'll hear the commercial. Uh, McKellarEnterprises.org if you want to get your golf going really well. Uh, yeah, very interesting stuff, uh, I think, from Hale. Uh, it's a lot of stuff that I've talked about before. Uh, but he has a, a unique perspective on it. And, uh, you know, I, I thought uh, his answers were very interesting. And, and I think, too, Phil, he brings up a point about the, the former staff and, and their recruiting. I, I don't think long, long – the long and short of it is I don't, I don't think they did a bad job. I, I think there were certain positions that were thin. But uh, you look at some of the players Muschamp brought in. He just mentioned Jaheim Bell. Uh, that was Bobby Bentley and Will Muschamp who signed that guy. Marshawn Lloyd uh, was a guy. Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch were signed by that staff. So, um, and I think it's a good thing they did it because now the Beamer staff just picks up kind of where they left off. They're kind of, uh, you know, expanding a little more and doing a better job in Florida than the previous staff did. Um, and you, and I like the fact they're recruiting more speed at receiver too. All right, top of the hour break. Uh, so we got to pay some bills here. We'll be back on the other side. Going to talk about bowl season. Uh, ESPN, th- those guys have been getting creative. They're going to change the world over there. It seems their football writers are. Uh, 
And maybe a solution for fixing it. Have some good news from Carolina Rise that I want to share with you guys. Uh, going to talk a little about Clemson. I know you guys are going to like that. They uh, There was an ACC coach that sort of beat him up a little bit anonymously in Athlon. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the I Help Consulting mailbag, uh, along with the Nana's Porch chat line. We love to be interactive here. You guys are killing it. Uh, with the chat line and everything else. But uh, again, we got to go uh, pay some bills really quick. Hour number one again, Cindy Sear Falls, Caldwell Banker Kane, 864-414-5271. We'll be back with hour number two, which also has a sponsor right after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. 
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. uh, It's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. And I think we're back. Yes, sir. Nana's porch. Hmm. I'm getting hungry, man. It makes me miss like uh, I grew up in Spartanburg and uh, this place called Wade's. Wade's, uh, yes. Dude, Wade's is off the chain. It makes me miss Wade's a little bit, but uh, Nana's is probably better than Wade's. Uh, okay, so the Nana Sports chat line is rocking and rolling. We got the IELT Consulting mailbag uh, coming up here. Phil, uh, where should we go? Should we should we answer some? I let's answer an I help consulting mailbag question or two, and then get to get to this crazy, not so crazy uh, bowl kind of deal that uh, ESPN was talking about today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's see. If we go into the mailbag, JC, we've got Noah uh, who's asking us. uh, Oh, a question I was thinking about the other day. So, JC and Phil, if y'all could visit one college football stadium you've never been to, which would it be, and why? Hmm. Uh, are we talking about been to for a game? Cause see, I've been to a lot of them, like without games. Right. Uh, I've always wanted to go to a game at the Coliseum in LA and watch Southern Cal play a big, a big, relatively big opponent because when, when they're not playing a team that they're fired up about, they don't show up. So it's just like a bunch of empty seats. But, uh, <laughs> I've always, I always wanted to see that atmosphere on the West coast and, you know, in sticking with that, I think my number two, and again, I've been here, I've been to both places, but without, you know, seeing a game, I've been to Alton Stadium in, in Eugene, Oregon uh, for a camp two or three times, uh, but uh, never been for a game. And that stadium is really interesting, Phil, because you, it's kind of down, it, it's kind of a saucer shaped stadium. Uh, and it feels like, I mean, you look up at the stands, you're like, man, but the fans feel like they're right on top of you uh, at Oregon. So, Oh, one more, too. I, I'm sorry, because I've been talking about Seattle all day, right? <laughs> right. Washington would be on my bucket list, definitely, because not not so much for the game, uh, although I, I, their fans are very passionate, but uh, the tailgate, because they tailgate out on, uh, I guess it's called Lake Columbia or, or Lake Seattle, uh, kind of like what Tennessee does with the Vol River 
in Knoxville, but it's a lake, not a river. Um, I walked around up there when I, I went to their campus and, and just kind of pictured it in my mind, uh, especially if it was one of those sunny days up there in Seattle. I, I think that would be cool, too. So the, those are my three, starting with the Trojans. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, as much as I'm uh, a little ashamed to admit it, Neyland's mine because I've never been up there. Love to see what that atmosphere is like. Uh, and uh, always wanted to go to the big house to watch a game, too, man. Like to see some Michigan football up there. It'd be fun. You know who else, uh, when he retired in 2015, went to Michigan for a game? Steve Spurrier. Yeah. <laughs> they had game day up there. They had him on game day. And he's like, shoot, I've never been to a, man, never been to a game up here in Michigan. And he was like, shoot, just want to come up here and watch him. Uh, the big house. Called the big house, right? But, uh, it, uh, yeah, in, in Ann Arbor, you know, during my time when I uh, spent in, in suburban Chicago, Ann Arbor's not too far. So if I were, neither is South Bend where I've never been to a game, but uh, I'll definitely get there uh, right now. John from Seattle chimed in on the Nana Sports chat line. He said, JC, the Lake Washington Navy at UW is off the uh, bleeping. <laughs> bleeping, the bleeping chain. Um, as beautiful place to watch a game on a sunny fall day as there is. Yeah, I, I, and I've actually been out to Seattle uh in the fall when I worked for ESPN to watch um, yeah, some, some team up there played a team from California. Uh, it was when Will Smith's kid played for the team from California, Wayne Gretzky's kid and Joe Montana's kid all played for that team from California. And so like people ask me who the most famous person is I've ever met. Um, and this was obviously before we had these smartphones that could take selfies. Otherwise I'd have that selfie behind me instead of Snoop Dogg. Um, it, it's pr- until I met, uh, and, and this is nothing political folks. It was, it was when he was running for office. Right. So obviously there was a, a, you know, a lot of interest at that point. I met Trump. So Trump, I've got a picture with Trump, uh, that I don't, don't hang up because I don't want people to, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be neutral about all that. Uh, but I think since he was president, he's probably the most famous person I've ever met before that it was Will Smith. Um, you know, so because I, I sat right there and talked to him while his kid was playing, we just didn't have a cell phone or anything. And Gretzky and, and Montana were in the stands. Point of that was I was in Seattle at the time. Uh, I guess they all flew up on their private jets, right? Um, and and watched the game, watched the kids play ball. But uh, it, I remember John going out there it, it, during football, going, My god, it, it's October and still 94 and humid in South Carolina. This weather is something I could get behind uh, this time of year. So you're absolutely yeah, no right. Yeah, Neyland, you know, Phil, I know you and the missus spent some time over in Pigeon Forge. Uh, oh, yeah. From time to time. That's not a bad drive from Neyland. Like, maybe we could maybe we could get a little outing together next time uh, the Gamecocks play up there. And, uh, Let's do uh, it. Take the show on the road. Uh, hey, right? yeah, there you go. We, 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 get, we, get, we could broadcast this puppy live from um, – the Hatfield and McCoy show, right? Yeah, do, do a pregame. Well, I'll get you. Man, Hatfield, talking about Hatfields and McCoy, man, that was something that, or, or, or maybe, uh, maybe even better, the moonshine tasting place in Gatlinburg. I'd like that too. <laughs> we, we, we'd have to like, you know, maybe end the show early. You know, uh, JC just fell down and passed out. I remember I go in there and it's like they give you these little cups, and me and my buddy were like, "Well, we'll just do all of them." Because you know you don't think anything of it. Because why not? <laughs> well, then there's then you find out there's 17, 
and you're <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So that's it there. Uh, but yeah, thanks for your question, Noah. I always appreciate it when you uh, get into the IHELP Consulting mailbag. Uh, by the way, two ways to get in on the mailbag. You can tweet to us at the Big Spur Pod uh, or inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Just like it used to be. Uh, we go through them. We answer them all. Uh, we love for you to be part of the show. We can have all the guests we want. I can talk. Phil can talk. Uh, but it's that interaction that, that I think really makes it fun, uh, at least in my experience. Uh, Gamecock Pastor gets in, uh, and he says, and he's very prolific on Twitter, if you had to call it right now, who was wide receiver one at the end of the season? So I think he may have asked this on the chat line between mm-hmm. Wells, Rucker, and Van. Um who do I think will be wide receiver one? I, you know, I, you know, I think they're all all could be kind of similar. Uh, I think Van, you know, kind of starts the year that way. Wells could end it that way. Who do I think is going to be the weapon they count on the most in the passing game? That would be Jaheim Bell. Right. Yeah, I was going to say if we're talking yards and uh, <laughs> and actual catches, it's big, Bell. <laughs> big big plays. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and of course, he's going to do more than just catch it. But, uh, you know, right now, and look, I don't know. Juice, Juice Wells, to me, could end up being, like, unreal. Like, we're all sitting there going, you know, 80 catches, whatever, like he did at James Madison. Uh, or it could be a kind of a trio thing. Or Corey Rucker could have a huge year. And don't sleep on Amari and Brown on deep balls or Xavier Leggett either. I mean, that, th- this is a, a way different receiving core on paper. Uh, than it has been. It's been an issue for a few years now. You know, as mm-hmm. those guys, as Debo left and Edwards left and Shy Smith left, those three in state guys, uh, you, you kind of lost one. And then you're like, okay, now you're down to two receivers. And then you lost the other one. Now you're down to one. You know, and you're like, oh, how in the hell are there? Is there one receiver on this roster, you know, that can play? Um, and I think they've got diversity in that room now, too. It was like you got a couple of guys that'll, you know, go over the top, you know, just burn mm-hmm. the defense. And then you got a couple of them that, you know, aren't afraid to go over the middle and eat up that stuff. So uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm, I, the more I look at this, JC, the more I'm looking at the roster and the schedule, the more I'm getting a bit fired up here, man. I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see these guys play. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say why, if I had to say wide receiver one, just because, you know, I think Van Rucker, Wells, uh, Brown, Legat, they all sort of do different. I I didn't even mention to carry a joiner. Uh, they all kind of do different things. Uh, Jalen Brooks, I didn't mention him either. He's back on the team. Um, you know, I think they all do kind of different things, but, uh, you know, the, the person or the player that I think. Uh, kind of stands above that at this point would be Bell just because he's such a unique weapon. I mean, how are you going to – I mean, I don't know. I, what are you going to do about him? I and mean, he's, the, he's the guy when you go into the game, you're like, well, what are we going to do about Bell? Uh, and I'll give you an example. Texas A&M last year, part of the reason they did pretty well, they took him out of the game. I mean, they they did a great job covering Jaheim. Uh, and then Carolina didn't really have an answer anywhere else in the passing game. Plus – you know, you can't go out there and play that bunch blocking like you did with Zeb Nolan at quarterback. The, Zeb's game is not to run out, you know, uh, no. and escape pressure. You know, you got to block and all that. But, uh, you know, in that game, uh, A&M did a great job taking Jaheim out of it. Uh, teams are going to try to do that. But what you do when that happens is, you know, if you have other dudes, 
you just give it to the other dude and you make him pay. And, and they're mm-hmm. they're, gonna, they're gonna quit focusing on one guy really quick. You know, that, that's just kind of football. Um, one more from the IL consulting mailbag here, uh, off of Twitter, Gamecock Fan 3 says. Do you think the projections being all over the place for Carolina is because we haven't seen everyone actually play to their potential at USC? Lloyd, Birch, and the transfers all have talent, but us not seeing it play out together causes excitement and doubt at the same time. Yeah, and and I think, look, man, with with Lloyd and Birch, people just have to be patient. I mean, Lloyd missed his whole freshman year with an ACL. Uh People like to kind of nitpick his game a little bit because he was so highly touted. Uh, I thought he just never had a chance to get going, man. Uh, mm-hmm. And when he did, some person on the field would miss a block. I mean, I, you know, it was different people at different times. The blocking would – and he would just get racked. You know, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, of all the backs, he took some hard hits last year. Uh, it was a hard luck for tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like Shane Beamer said the other day, he's on a mission this year. I think that's good. Um, he's certainly talented. Uh, somebody talked about him being a little hesitant today uh, on the message board. And they pointed that out. And I think the hesitation uh, last year was probably because of the knee. Mm-hmm. I think one key for Marshawn this year, though, is to kind of let, you know, because he would break out in the open field. He did this in the opener, and I saw him do it. Maybe Missouri. Uh, I don't know. You know, you almost want him, and then they, that Florida run too. It's almost like he overthinks sometimes. Like, well, gosh, I'm, I'm 35 yards down the field. What am I going to do now? Instead of just naturally one cut, go, accelerate, and leave everybody in the dust. Um, you know, so if there was one nitpicky thing about his game that I wanted to talk about, it would be that once you break free. You know, a lot of times he would – and it's a split-second situation, Phil. He would almost kind of pause or stop, uh, and then some people would catch up for him. He just needs to take it and go. Just, just go. go. Mm-hmm. Just go. Run, Forrest, run. You know, that, that kind of you thing. You can see it, though, man. When he gets the ball in his hands, he it's just – I'm watching him last year. I'm just like, man, this kid, he can, he's got it. You know, like this guy, if he really puts it together, is going to – just blow this thing wide open. But like you said, I think it may be some mental thing. I know what coming off the knee injury and all that, there's a lot of mental aspects to that for sure. Um, but um, yeah, just wrapping him, wrapping his head around what to do with that one cut and go, you know, stuff like that. It's like, that'll come. That, that's with experience too, you know, and that's the one thing that he's been kind of, you know, stunted. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he, he talked about it too, is like trusting the knee as well. Cause a lot of times, that's one thing Marcus Lattimore, when he came back from his first knee injury, did a good job of in 2012. He trusted it. Now, was Marcus his complete self uh, at the beginning of that year? Uh, pretty good, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I thought, I thought, I thought the whole team had a rough go of it, kind of in the middle of that, after that those games with LSU and Georgia, or LSU and Florida, but. You know, Marcus comes back against Tennessee. Unfortunately, that was the that was it because you know he got hurt in that one, and that was he was on his way to just killing Tennessee that day. Oh yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's one of the few backs I've seen that that has come back from from Nice and, and and really was just as effective. Uh, but you know, if that had happened to Marcus when he was a true freshman, uh, number one, Carolina wasn't have won the East that year. Yeah. Number two, uh, you know what would his next season have looked like? 
you know, because uh, because I think experience, like you mentioned, Phil, that that goes a long way, um, especially at a spotlight running back where trust is involved. You have to trust yourself. You have to trust your offensive line. Uh, you have to trust the blocking, trust the play call, because uh, you're out there exposed. So, so you, the tr- the trust running back is very very important. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's my thing there uh, with him. So the uh, Nana Sports chat line uh, and the I Help Consulting mailbag. Uh, we'll get to two more questions uh, from those two things, uh, or actually from the the mailbag here. In a little bit, of course, if you missed it in the first hour, we had Hale McGranahan talking recruiting. He filled us in on everybody. Uh, and, uh, you know, things are looking good. Big tree announcement coming up, I think, at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Is that what it said? Two. Last thing I saw was 2, yeah. 2, so that's in what? That's like at Eastern Time. It's like that's it. Uh, that's about an hour and a half. Yep, hour and a half. Hour after we close the show today. Hour and a half. Big tree. Big tree. <laughs> Uh, could be in the uh, Gamecocks class. So ESPN, Phil, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. And look, I'm not an ESPN hater. There's some people that can't stand anything ESPN does. I I, I worked for them for a little while. I, I, I thought there were some really fine people I worked with kind of on my level in recruiting, which is not the highest level. Uh, Mike Morgan works for them and has nothing but good things to say. Uh I do think sometimes their ideas and the national college football media in general uh, have these ideas about how to fix things, uh, and they're not really fixes. They're more things like pushing an agenda or things they would like to see as fans of the sport. Um, you know, so so they had this. They had like ten influ- ten people that are going to shape the future of college football. Uh, the other day on ESPN.com and. You know, Greg Sankey was on that list, and then uh, the other nine, <laughs> I was just like, no way, dude, no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, uh-uh, sports in trouble, man. Yeah, uh, some of those names, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know so, so, so that was the first uh, revolutionary piece, uh, uh, quote, unquote. So now they're trying to fix the calendar uh, of the year, and uh, – you know, we can debate all we want about players getting 15, 16 games in. Uh, but the bottom line now is with NIL and everything else, they're they're getting compensated. And there's going to be even more uh, institutional compensation coming up, like rev shares and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. I don't think one more game is, is, is a big deal, right? You know, if you're talking about quote-unquote player safety, which, you know, I, I – I don't know. You know, anyway, so the bowl games are the ones that kind of get, you know, I guess trashed on uh, because they are sort of a relic. Uh, only your really hardcore football fans in college like the bowls. You People call them meaningless. Uh, I'll tell you this, uh, you know, ESPN, the broadcast network loves them because there's no other time uh, or no other good sports programming during the holidays uh, other than college football bowl games and NFL playoffs or NFL regular season wrapping up. So, um, you know, the NBA hadn't quite caught on uh, yet then. I know they have a big thing Christmas Day, uh, college yeah. basketball. The, the the bowl ratings are higher than a lot of sports. You know, and, and you're talking the, uh, you know, the, the one in Montgomery, the one in Mobile, the one in Birmingham, they all get good ratings. Uh, oh, so yeah. I think 
a lot of college football fans, a lot of gamblers out there, right? <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people sit there. They'll sit at the bar and watch a, a quadruple header uh, with no good teams at, at all these places around the country. But anyway. Yeah, that's right. You're up at two in the morning banging that uh, second yeah. half under on a Hawaii game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, second half under. I gotta, I gotta do it. Um, hey, that takes guts to take the under of a Hawaii game. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, so their idea was this: play the bowls in the preseason, uh, or, 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 or at the start of the season. They, they still count. Um. That is something I've thought of. Uh, I, I think that in some ways, you know, and, and they added that you'd start the season the third weekend in August and play like bowls like through, you know, during the day, during the week, whatever, you know, uh, through the, the Labor Day weekend and, and, you know, culminate in, you know, at the end. And then that's kind of a nice, you know, football bonanza for two weeks in August uh, where your team's playing at different places, different times, different opponents uh, in different cities. Uh, and, and the thought process, number one, I think it would be great television. I, I can't imagine ESPN not making bukus of money with that kind of setup at the beginning of the year where everybody's in a bowl or whatever. Um, number two, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I think college football, the third week of August. Yeah. Why not? You know, that's great. Um, there are some drawbacks to it, such as, you know, who would you match? You'd probably try to match based on the previous year's results, like, you know, a, a good match. Like, like, okay, so something I could envision this year would be Alabama playing like uh, Notre Dame uh, the first week. And Notre Dame's playing Ohio State the first week anyway. You know, not necessarily a rematch of last year's playoffs or whatever, but kind of, okay, they're top 10, they're top 10, they play. They're top 15 to 20, they play. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and it was also pointed out that in the, you know, before Labor Day gets here, you know, a lot of times it, it's a little bit before school starts. Um, and that may be naive on their part because, uh, you know, we, we, all, we both are related to teachers, Phil, and we know that uh, uh, school starts pretty damn early, uh, you know. Uh, you know, so people, families could go visit. I, I thought it was intriguing. Um, I, I, you know, then what? But, but then again, I'm like, what do you do in December? I guess you'd have, if you expand the playoffs to 16, you have playoffs. But, I mean, that's not like bowl week, right? You know, I, I think I'd no. probably miss it because, you know, like I said, you know, I, I mentioned the guy sits at the bar watching the quadruple header. That that guy is me, you know. I mean, I enjoy doing that on, on a on one of those big bowl Saturdays. I, I love know, that midweek action, man. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's like you know. So so I don't know, Phil. I, I I thought while I'm I'm not opposed to the idea, and I think that would be tremendous for the summer. You know, what the hell am I going to do in December? Right, no, exactly. and the and the millions of other people that watch these things on TV. So I don't. I don't really know what the, I don't know what the the true answer is with that. I don't know. You think about it already, JC. I mean, we're we're starting to front load, you know, these opening week games with big matchups anyway. You know, you got what Utah and Florida, I think, are 
kicking it off? Am I not right mm-hmm. this year? Yep. And then, yep. uh, you know, you're already getting big cross conference uh, matchups. Uh, Chick fil A kickoff is usually, you know, another big one that's right front loaded. Uh, so it's kind of trending in that direction anyway. But I think you hit on it in that expansion, I think, facilitates this better. You know, once that. Once that really, you know, cranks up beyond where it is now and it's going to there, I I think that's inevitable. Um, That's where this makes more sense. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I, you know, maybe if they did, if you wanted to do something like a, 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 you know, bowl-a-thon or whatever in August, uh, I think you could actually set that up and still keep them in, keep them in December too for, you know, the teams that don't make the playoff, uh, you know, and, and people ask all the time, you know, and, and I don't know, people act, act like it's an epidemic that players opt out of bowl games. It's not uh, no. compared to the rest of the, the the players that stick. Now, now look, there's some teams that have been uh, hurt by it. Florida against Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago. They, they didn't poor, poor Kyle Trask, you know, all of his weapons were gone. And, <laughs> There's nobody uh, to throw it to. Yeah. That, that that was the easiest money ever because I, I still think Florida was only getting 11. I was <laughs> like, oh, Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma are going to destroy them. And sure enough, that happened. <laughs> um, but uh, and that was also Shane Beamer's last game uh, at Oklahoma in the Cotton yep. Bowl. And so it has affected some teams' performances. So don't get me wrong. But, but by and large, most kids say, well, well here's the answer to that. Um, and then we'll, we got to take a break and we're going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this and, and transition into the next, uh, topic. Um, if you think about this, Phil, you know, bowl games are what sponsored by what corporations, right? W- what do corporations love about bowl games? Marketing. Marketing. What, is, what is name, image, and likeness? Oh, look, hey, there's already marketing. a marketing system in place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, 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 these guys can get paid to play in the bowl. So, I mean, you know, you got a star player. You, you know, you want him to play in the bowl game. Uh, put a little Duke's mayonnaise patch on his helmet. Pay him hundred grand or whatever, and away we go. You know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, uh, you know, I don't. And I think people too talk about getting hurt and stuff, and that that's that's kind of the the national media hammers that home. Oh my God, they're going to get hurt. Oh my God, they're going to get hurt. Oh my God. 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 Oh. <laughs> last year, last year, there was more like white, white, you know, wiping their hands of the sport when Matt Corral went down for Ole Miss yep. in the Sugar Bowl that, that I've ever seen in my life. Turns, turns out Matt Corral's fine. I mean, you know, oh my God. Oh, yeah. stupid, stupid, meaningless bowl. You know, uh, and, and that's not the answer either. So, so I, I think the answer to the Bulls, if you want everybody to play, is uh, pay them because you can. Jeez, I mean, uh, that seems to be, to me, would be the simplest solution. You know, uh, you, you give them the gift bags anyway, but, you know, a kid that's uh, about to go to the NFL, you know, he's not going to, you know, want to come for the the Apple Watch and the and the shopping spree at Belk's. You know, that's he can do that anyway, right? Yeah, that's get right. paid. But a bag full of cash will bring him in. Well, hey, but $150,000? Yeah, hey, well, I can have my own Apple Watch and, and shopping spree. But anyway, yeah, I'm intrigued by that preseason bull idea. I, I would not be opposed to it. Um, but, I, but I don't know that we necessarily need to eliminate uh, all of these secondary bowls 
either. I, th- I think I think that system needs to shake up, uh, but not uh, not uh, not abolished or, or, or completely moved. Uh, how about that? I, I think that uh, if they moved the bowl season to the preseason, it'd be a lot like the Secret of Nim. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. <laughs> All right. So remember, remember they, the rats were moving the Mrs. Frisbee's uh, cinder block house. So the, the plow wouldn't get, I, I, th- I think you'd be like, all right, we're moving bowl season. And you get it up there on the winch and pulley and then and you drop it on Nicodemus <laughs> and kill Nicodemus. Right. Yeah, so, right. so that's kind of my, my feeling on, on if they tried to move that, it'd be a little cattywampus. All right. Uh, up against the break now, Final break of Inside the Gamecocks, the show will be back. Going to talk about name image likeness as it relates to Carolina. Going to talk a little Clemson. That's right. We'll talk opponents here. I want to get uh, uh, some takes off the Nana Sports chat line uh, about uh, some of the comments an ACC coach made about the Tigers anonymously, no no doubt, to Athlon. We'll be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of REMAX at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net. To get your next deal underway, the Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at MerTaylor, at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. 
uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. Uh, it's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast. But uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you. Uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. And we're back. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Inside the Gamecocks, the show. J.C. Sherbert and Phil Mullinax. This hour is brought to you by the Bergeson team, Remax at the Lake. You heard the commercial. If you're in the market for some commercial real estate, uh, hit them up and tell them J.C. sent you uh, the newest advertiser uh, here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. So uh, certainly appreciate or Inside the Gamecocks. The show. I got to get used to saying because it is a podcast, but it's not a podcast, Phil. It's, it's kind of a, a hybrid, if you will. Yeah, live to pod. <laughs> live to pod. Live to pod. Live to pod. That sounds like a German, like a German slogan. Like if pot, <laughs> like let's say potting was like a weird German sport, like with a hacky sack or something. You know, like, <laughs> like let's say it's like bouncing a hacky sack on your nose, and, and they call it potting, and they have a shirt that says "Live to pod." I live to pod. Live to pod. We live to pod. It's Russian. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the Nana Sports chat box. Uh, somebody says Nana Nana Sports is making me hungry. I'm, now I'm hungry for German food. Uh, you know, oh. which is basically people that don't know Germany. It's basically meat and potatoes. That's basically all German food is. It's like meat and potatoes. You want the potatoes? Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much uh, to uh, Nana Sports and all of our sponsors. So. You know, that bowl thing, uh, NIL, I, I think is is definitely a fix there. Uh, like I said, probably wouldn't mind preseason bowls, but uh, would like that. Don't forget uh, Big Tree Babalade uh, commits here in a little bit. You can uh, find out about that on thebigspur.com. If you're not a VIP member, 
uh, I think we're having a 50% off sale on annuals today. And maybe uh, I think you join for a dollar otherwise. Uh, but anyway, if not, well, you can just come back here and we'll, we'll talk about this on Monday. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be a big commit. Um, just looking at the class calculator uh, for the Gamecocks on 24-7 sports. And, and that's kind of a neat feature. And it, you don't have to be a member to go use the class calculator. Obviously, um, it's a free product, which is good. Not, not much is free these days, Phil, but that certainly is. Uh, Babalade comes in. It is going to move Carolina up in the rankings to well, their 19th now. Looks like 18th. So they'll pass Cincinnati, which is, you know, look, I don't think Texas Tech or Baylor has a better class than Carolina right now, but they have 47 commits combined. Right. Um, yeah. But it's going to bring them up numerically to about 216, uh, you know, right there behind Texas Tech uh, in, in number 18 in the country. Uh, and, and then, you know, if they add more people, they have more people. But that's pretty good. I mean, that their team ranking's been climbing and like hail broke down. Boy, this line of scrimmage club is a really potentially special uh, bunch of linemen. They're getting uh, Xavier McLeod could announce mm-hmm. – here in the next couple of weeks, uh, he's kind of the only other one on the radar right now. I'm thinking we'll make a commitment before the season. But there may be one or two more uh, that we just don't know about. But, uh, you know, that would move them up even further. Uh, and I think establish a lot of recruiting momentum uh, going into the, uh, you know, to the season. So, uh, you know, speaking of recruiting, uh, and this isn't a recruiting thing. I want to be clear about that because I, I don't want anybody assuming things, getting in trouble, I'm sure. So North Carolina people have been. Uh, Gigi Jackson, uh, we, we always talk about Carolina Rise here. Uh, I encourage everybody, go to carolinarise.com if you can, if you can afford it. Uh, join the 1801 Club for $18.01 a month. You get a nice card magnet. You get some drawings for some prizes. Uh, you get a, in a drawing for a VIP tailgate we're going to have probably uh, – Later in the season, this season in Columbia, we're going to have live entertainment. Uh, who knows? Maybe Nana's Porch will, will cater it, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, lots of stuff going on and, and lots of, you know, some benefits from you, uh, for you, uh, for joining up. Uh, all the money goes uh, to fund NIL deals for players at Carolina. Uh, we don't make any money off of it. Uh, you know, myself and my brother, Cam, uh, we run it together. It's been very successful. So we signed our first student athlete. And lo and behold, it's Gigi Jackson. <laughs> so for those Not of you that, shabby. <laughs> that may have been on the fence, and I, and I want to say this, we largely were able to do that because not so much because like one or two people came in for five figures or whatever. Um, it was because many, many, many Gamecock fans uh, give that $10 a month, give that $25 a month, give that, you know, some give a hundred and, and that's fine. You know, so, some give a, a little more than a hundred, but uh, it, it's by and large, I think average membership and you can kind of set your own price with the membership too. You don't, there's not like, Oh, well, I either got to pay 30 or 50. You, you, you can kind of set your own price uh, with a lot of this stuff. Um Average uh, membership, I think, is $30 a month. And some of the little bit bigger monthly contributions have, you know, raised that even. So so Gamecock fans, you know, and, and when we announced that, Phil, I got a lot of uh, 
kudos for it. Congrats, JC. I want to say it's not me at all. I mean, it's the Gamecock fans that that believed in it, that took a leap of faith because, you know, hadn't signed anybody, you know. And and, and so uh, I hope that you guys, you know, see, those of you that have given money, that your money's going to a good a good, a good spot. Uh, I also hope that those of you that are on the fence uh, kind of understand now that, that this stuff works mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have to come out of pocket for a lot. You know, it, it, you know, it's the price of a couple of Starbucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month. So uh, there we go uh, right there uh, with that. So uh, that's NIL. Uh, that's all I'm going to say, you know, uh, Carolina Rise is a sponsor and affiliate of the show. Uh, so we will mention them, uh, but I'm not going to sit here and hammer that home. I just wanted to announce that about Gigi because I thought that was really good news. Um, Gigi's going to have more NIL opportunities <laughs> uh, than just that. I can assure you of that. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's good uh, when a big-time player comes to South Carolina that you, you have uh, info out there that uh, – you know, hey, they took care of him or, or whatever, at least initially. All right, so the Clemson Tigers. Uh, a lot of people don't know what to make of Clemson this year. I I got a pretty good beat on what they are going to be. I think that uh, they're going to be a nasty defense. Uh, everybody's back, and people say, well, Brent Venables is gone. Well, yeah, but look, man, Ellis Johnson left too. And, and regardless of what you think about their new D coordinator, um, Ellis left and whammy, you know, whammy took over and, uh, in, in 2012. And that defense was elite. You know why? Because they're players, you know, a lot of times it comes down to players. It's not all about coaching. Uh, so they got players, uh, all over the place. Uh, I think they'll be even be, they lost some of their linebackers. I think they'll be better at linebacker this year. Quite frankly, I, I, I think they lost booth in the secondary. I think they could be better. Um, they're going to go as far this year as their offense will take. Uh, and I agree that maybe they're not, oh, I don't know, as, uh, <laughs> as, uh, as, as, you know, they're not as, uh, I guess, skilled. You know, they don't, they're not as scary. I mean, I don't know, not as scary on that as far as, you know, I'm concerned. I still think they're awfully good. Uh, yeah. But I, but I'll say this. Okay, so Athlon and Lindy's every year, they do these anonymous quotes and they're always fascinating to read because I think all of us that are in our off season bubble with college football, uh, you know, and we kind of look at the teams we cover, the teams we pull for whatever we, we, we kind of like validation or, or we like to get pissed off because, you know, somebody's out there, you know, messing with our team and, you know, when anonymous with other, when other coaches say it, it's, it's really good insight. It's probably the best thing Athlon does if you want to know the truth. Um, so here's what they said about Clemson. I think losing Brent Venables is going to be really interesting. He was such a force there. It's more than losing a coordinator. He drove the whole thing on defense. Well, yeah, of course he was the coordinator, right? Uh, right the, good, yeah. the good thing for them is they have really good players on defense right now, and I think Wes Godwin, Goodwin did a good, Godwin did a good job in the bowl game running the same scheme. He's really smart, but they're huge shoes to fill. I agree with this about Clemson as far as in-game chess matches and stuff. Uh, I, I, I think Wes can do it. I, I, but Venables is like, 
elite. Like he's like he, he almost became the Steve Spurrier of defense during his time at Clemson. Right. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, a wizard. <laughs> a wizard, a whiz. Blah blah blah. They talk about who's back. The, the freshman safety's tremendous. There's a core. All right, so, so here, they, DJ Ungalale. They say I don't think the quarterback's a great player. They thought he was when Trevor was out against Notre Dame, and maybe that fooled them. It's not out of the question that they change guys. Hmm, that'd be interesting because the backup's a true freshman. They're also not as good around him. They haven't evaluated as well at O line like other positions. I think this offensive line on paper for Clemson is going to take a step forward. They got some guys that were heavily recruited that are coming into their own. Uh, I agree on DJ, though. Uh, were you impressed with him last year? Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. And uh, what's the backup's name? Cade uh, Cunningham? Is Kublik? Kublik. Kublik. Yeah. Cade Kublik, yeah. 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 Uh, the, you know, I'm up here in, you know, in the orange fog in the upstate, and uh, there's a lot of talk about it. It wouldn't surprise me if he's in there to put him in there, pull DJ out. I, DJ I, no, no, seriously. I, I said <laughs> yeah. that last year. I said, mm-hmm. ah, that kid. Uh, you know, so anyway, uh, their receivers have fallen off. To me, this is the most interesting part of it because they do have some highly touted guys. They had some guys that didn't work out that were highly touted. Uh, if I were Clemson, I, I would probably be most excited. Unfortunately, uh, Adam Randall from Myrtle Beach had an injury that set him back in the spring. Um, they say he's going to be okay or ready to go, uh, but he was doing some big things. And then, of course, Game Guy fans know about the Antonio Williams situation. I think those two in-state guys uh, are going to be really good. Um, maybe this year. So uh, I, I I agree though, Phil. You don't. Last year, just looking at him, you just didn't see T. Higgins. Uh, you didn't see. You yeah. saw Justin Ross, but you didn't see the Justin Ross we saw in twenty eighteen. Um, you know, the, they were missing some guys, missing some guys. The the slot, they didn't have the Hunter Renfro or yeah, the no Hunter Renfro, or right. Amari yeah. Rogers or, or guys like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll see what happens. Uh, and then this is kind of – I don't agree with this at all. They're not recruiting like they have. There's also a giant difference between NIL and the ACC and the Big Ten and SEC. Are they beating Alabama and those guys from here on out? They're still the best program in this league. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but they've never had as many questions moving forward. This is the start of the next era for them, and it's possible they're not a national title winner anymore. <laughs> I, I, yeah, the game Cup fans out there, you know, oh, wow, this is going to be awesome. So, uh, you know, the, the demise of Clemson. I, I kind of think it's uh, a little too early for people to be saying that. Uh, I think that if you're talking about South Carolina, um, I think South Carolina, if they stay healthy and have a good year, take care of business on the field, the first 11 games could give them a game this year. Oh yeah, uh, and, and could win. I mean, because I mean, people say it all the time. Well, they they can give them a game. I don't know if they'll win. If you can give them a game, you can win because that means you are in the game late, right? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about like in 2018 when they gave them a game for a half and uh, gave up 800 yards on defense, you know. Right. Uh, but as far as Clemson in and of itself, they uh, they um, they don't have a very difficult schedule early. Now they have to go to Wake Forest, but uh, and people go, "Ooh, they've struggled up there." But it's like it's like the Australian voice again. Hey, they struggled up there before. 
Not under Dabo Swinney, they hadn't. No, Tommy no. Bowden lost up there and got fired, and Dabo's beating their ass every single time he's played him, uh, <laughs> including last year's game, which, by the way, everybody that hypes Wake Forest, go, go watch that game. Uh, and tell me who was, you know, who was the better. <laughs> Who's the better um, team, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, so so they go to Wake Forest early. They had NC State at home. I don't know. I look at it, you know, probably the toughest stretch is in November. They play Notre Dame, Miami, and then Carolina. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think they'll be, I, I, you know, I just I, I thought that I would mention it because, number one, uh, I thought Gamecock fans would like to hear that there's at least one anonymous coach in the ACC that thinks, uh, the look at Clemson, like on like Billy Madison said, Oh, Doyle, I have a feeling your whole family's about to go down, <laughs> and uh, and all that. And you know, the and they're about to run off on the banana peel, according to this guy. So, uh, I figured so people, I mean, is this Dave Dorn or is this Mario Cristobal? Uh, probably <laughs> Dave Dorn, you know, that's that's about that's one of the few times I've like, uh, you know, sided with. Dabo uh, in, a, in a conflict where, you know, and I, I don't know. I kind of, I side with him on a lot of things, big picture and life-wise, you know, but, you know, conflicts with coaches or whatever. Like we all remember the time he called out Spurrier and Spurrier just laughed at him and said, I didn't say that. And that was true. Uh, and then all of a sudden Spurrier just every year, this was in 2011 when, when the streak was at, at, at three. And two more years, Spurrier just like good. But anyway, so uh, you know, I I, I I thought that they'd get a kick out of that. Plus, we're going to talk about opponents here. We've got uh, some special guests lined up uh, for the show that, that we're going to go through every single opponent on the schedule probably before uh, kickoff because you know it, we can sit there and talk about Gamecocks all day, but you know it, it, it's like you know you want to kind of break it up a little bit, right? You know, and get some different perspectives right here. Uh, on inside the game, cost the show. Okay, so we've got one more from the I Help Consulting mailbag to wrap it up here on Friday. So you guys pop it open a beer one a one p.m. I, 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 um, I envy you, and we'll be joining you shortly. Uh, <laughs> um, and this comes in from Bone. Uh, please go in to the Desmond Umi Azulu scandal. I heard Josh Pate, hopefully a future guest. Definitely. If Josh if Josh can join us, I mean, I, uh, Josh has got his own clothing line now. He's got millions of uh, – yeah, yeah, dude's doing well. Hail um, Pate State. Hail Pate State. <laughs> Pate State material. Uh, something about a bad weekend in Columbus with too many prospects on campus at once and the staff not giving he and others decisions. The OSU YouTube clowns that called him stupid afterwards was terrible. Yeah, that was bad. That was dumb. Uh, does this actually mean he won't commit to LSU after leading for some time? I think if he were to commit today, it'd be South Carolina, but maybe after a few weeks, it'll smooth over for Ohio State. What say you? Right now, Chris, I, I, I think the damage is beyond repair with Ohio State. That doesn't mean they can't repair it. Don't, don't, don't. My fiance all the time is like, stop making declarations. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's things like, uh, I'm not going to eat any fried food for a week. Stop making declarations. You know, that's what um, I say around here. It's like, don't use no absolutes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I got to be very big, you know? So, um, so, so that's that there, but, uh, you know, I, I, 
I think right now Carolina's in really good shape. I, I, I know some things behind the scenes that have led me to believe that. Uh, as far as the drama and controversy goes, this, this happens from time to time in recruiting Phil on visits. But honestly, man, it, it's like very rare. <laughs> most, <laughs> most of the time on official visits, uh, everybody has a great time. I mean, look, there's been prospects before that I, I guess I can say that now because they, they ended up uh, playing elsewhere or whatever, but uh, that have come to visits and, and done things like soiled themselves and stuff. I mean, they have such a good time. Uh, it, it has happened. I mean, it, it gets it gets fun. It's a fun time, right? But it's a it's I'm, it's rare that you hear about a a visit that went that horribly wrong. But it went that horribly wrong. I mean, and I'm just like, wow. And then I guess people, and then I guess their media or whoever gets on on you starts just talking smack. That's why you got to be careful uh, with some of these folks out there now that have taken an interest in covering recruiting because they're all over social media and have, you know, all day, every day and DM guys and stuff like that. You know, those guys are basically big fans, like big fans. Right. Uh, And if a recruit does something they don't like, they feel like they can use their little megaphone uh, to, to just, you know, because they're important and people care about what they have to say, allegedly. Uh, and I don't think anybody does, uh, you know, on YouTube, other than Desmond, who saw it. And, and now there's a million Buckeye fans that are pissed off, you know. Yep. Um, yep. But All I, because I, of the yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think this too, though, Phil, I, I think that if you're, if you're, yeah, and I've got three minutes here to kind of finish this up. Um, people ask about Clemson not to bring them up again. Well, how did they end up beating Bama on kids or going into Florida and getting a kid away from Florida and Florida State, like C.J. Spiller or whatever? They did it by being different, okay, by being unique. Like nobody ever visited Clemson and Ohio State when Urban Meyer was there, uh, probably still now too, and Alabama and said, they're all the same, I'm just going to pick one. That never happens. Kids pick Clemson because it's different. You know, Dabo's a little different. The slide's a little different. The hill's a little different. The rock's a little different. The lake's a little different. The people a little different sometimes. Uh, you know, not all of them, but some of them are different. Uh, Pickens County is different than Columbus or Tuscaloosa, you know. Uh, it's different. And, and that's how they were able to pick off guys and get to a certain level of success. Then once they got to a certain level of success, you know, then it was kind of a more easy sell, but never have they emulated Alabama from a forward-facing standpoint. And right. South yeah, it was Carolina, always yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all. It always kind of seemed more fun to play at Clemson than to mm-hmm. play at Alabama. Although, you know, the business-like approach certainly has worked at Alabama. South Carolina, I think, under Shane Beamer, is different, and is even more different. Right, the mm-hmm. they're kind of unique compared to Clemson. I mean, Clemson's unique, and was, uh, South Carolina and Clemson are two different places, obviously. But the 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 thing that Beamer's doing is hammering home uh, a a truthful statement about being genuine, being caring, and being a family. Right, uh, and and he not only hammers that home, he requires everybody to be committed to it and live it within his program. Right. Um, so you can understand if a kid felt like 
oh, they don't want me at Ohio State or kind of lost in the shuffle at Ohio State or whatever, where South Carolina all of a sudden, that's the perfect counter argument. You know, come where you're wanted. Don't just be one of the guys uh, that, that went one of the many top players that went to OSU. You know, come here. Uh, come where you, you feel wanted and welcome and all that. That's the pitch, okay? Uh, it's not a pitch I'm making, by the way. I don't recruit players, but uh, that would be the pitch right there. And that's why I think they got a good chance. Uh, put Joseph Claude Powell's uh, question up here. You can see it right at the end. We got about 30 seconds right here. He says, which walk-on has the potential to make a difference in the program? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And can we get a Jalen Foster movie? I know you know people, JC. <laughs> the other JC, JC Powell, Joseph Claude. By the way, that's not my I'm – I'm Joseph Christopher, not Joseph Claude. Uh, but Joseph Christopher is a mouthful. I think Joseph Claude will be. Maybe I'll change my name to Joseph Claude. Uh, still be JC. Anyway, uh, look out for DJ Black, uh, freshman receiver from Chapman High School, where Debo went to school, 6'4", 190, state track champion, if I'm not mistaken, or at least a placer. Uh, kid was an absolute steal. If the NCAA wasn't full of uh, Nazis or communists or whatever you want to compare them to, uh, and they let coaches go to the Shrine Bowl, and if there was a Shrine Bowl this past year because it got canceled due to COVID, I don't think that kid would be at South Carolina. I think, I think, or, or he'd be on scholarship. I, I'll put it that way. Um, so look out for him. Look out for him. All right, for Phil Mullinex, JC Sherbert. Phil, how'd you feel today, man? Oh, good, man. You know, yeah, one, I think, I think more experience. One, Keep going. One more day, right? One right, more day. Right. You know, make some well, stuff over the weekend to polish some stuff up. Yeah, uh, kind of build the visual side of this a bit more. Yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we're back home Monday. Uh, gonna rock and roll. Uh, thanks to all that uh, chimed in, uh, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, like I said, Monday. I, I hate repeating myself there at the end. I got distracted. This. This, uh, the Nana's Porch chat box no, just keeps rocking and rolling. Uh, so thanks to all you Gamecocks out there and Tigers or whoever else is listening in. Hope you have a great weekend. See ya when I see it. Uh, or, or, yeah, or I was going to say I see you at the bar, but I'm not in town. So uh, <laughs> here we go. And uh, Sakara 21, you are never getting the financial statements. It is not a not-for-profit. Please do not ask again about Carolina Rise. Uh, with that, because I kind of know what you're getting at. All right. For Phil Mullinax, JC Sherbert, you guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.